It's Boomer and Geo on the Fan and the CBS Sports Network. And we're coming to you live for the Bill Ford Tough Studio. Boomer Sison, Greg Giannotti. It's Boomer and Geo on the Fan, simulcast across the country on CBS Sports Network. And wherever you are on the free Odyssey app, good Wednesday morning. Talked about it yesterday that there was some snags, major snags with Carlos Correa and the New York Mets and how the Twins were getting involved. Well, yesterday after our show, it is now official. The Mets deal with Carlos Correa is dead. And he is now signing with the Minnesota Twins. I am bummed about it. I was so fired up that morning when I found out about Carlos Correa potentially being a Met and agreeing to terms on that deal. I thought that the San Francisco Giants had cold feet and backed out because of the way that their offseason had gone. I really didn't think there was going to be a real problem. And I had dreams of Carlos Correa in a ticker tape parade down the Canyon of Heroes. And now that is gone. But... With everything you read, everything that went on with the Giants, Steve Cohen, I know, wants to spend money and really love the idea of Carlos Correa as a Met. So if he passed, that means that something was seriously wrong, in my opinion. Good morning, Boomer. How are you? All right. Good morning, Jay. You know, a couple things. You know, I think we were talking about it last week about how Carlos Correa and Scott Boris got to be realistic about these long-term contracts, given the fact that he's got a plate in his ankle, and how these teams were not going to be able to ensure the length of those deals. There was just no way. So, you know, it, when you when you look at it, it at it in totality. Now, the Mets are still spending about $355 million on their roster this coming season, and they kept their own guys. You know, they kept Brandon Nimmo, and they kept uh, Edwin Diaz, and then they brought in Verlander. So it's not as if this is a, you know, money-saving thing. We all know that it's not that, because the Mets, you know, basically wanted to guarantee half the contract, and then the rest of that contract would be on a year-by-year basis, essentially depending on you know, plate appearances, time out in the field and everything else. They just, I'm telling you, these insurance doctors or whoever else were telling them, look, we, we think this is a six-year potential problem. And then after that, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're not, we're not buying into this. So we'll do it. We'll back you for six years, which is essentially what the Mets offered Carlos Correa. They said, okay, we will, we're going to give you this money for 12 years. We'll give you two, two, you now for six years guaranteed, and then the next six years would then fall under the certain parameters that you would have to meet as a player. In other words, you'd have to bet on the health of yourself. Right. Well, let me ask you this, because this is something you bring up all the time about, you know, a player owing it to the union to be able to get out and get the top dollar in the free agent market. Now, this is something I thought of yesterday. I think Carlos Gray would have preferred to be a Met. I really do I believe do. that. I do. I agree. I agree. And, and the totality of the deal, if he had finished it and finished it healthy, was the most amount of money they could have made in a New York Mets uniform. Mm-hmm. However, if he would have accepted a deal that was not guaranteed and the least or not the highest amount of money guaranteed... The union would have been so pissed off at him because it would have set a new precedent with injured players or guys who have had injuries in the past. And there's no way that Scott Boris, the union, Carlos Correa was going to do any of that. You're you're, you're exactly right. And that's why he took the 200 million in the first six years as opposed to the 157.5 million in the first six years 
from the Twins. So the Twins are paying him more money per year in the first six years of that contract. And then there's a vesting option where the totality of the contract is actually less than what he would have gotten had he stayed here with the Mets. But I don't necessarily know that they would have written a contract the way that the Twins did. So in all in all, I mean, he took the most money in the shortest period of time. I don't blame him for doing that. Um, you know, he's got to get his when he gets a chance. Um, but overall, the totality of the money, if in fact he stays healthy, would have been more had he been here or had the Giants even come down this road and offered something like this. So I, I, I don't blame him. I certainly don't blame the Mets. The Mets... You know, did everything they possibly could to keep him here, and I think he wanted to play here. But when you look at the AAV and you look at the numbers uh, of two hundred million compared to one fifty-seven point five, that's a significant number for a player, especially a player that's dealing. You know, now by the way, he still has to pass the physical. You know, in Minnesota, which yeah, I think apparently a lot well. of that was done. It was tweeted out that the ankle issue was cleared at that point by the Minnesota Twins, yeah. so this wouldn't happen again. But you know, like the ankle. <laughs> well, that's what he's got a plate in his vajankle. Uh, do you remember that whole thing? You probably don't remember the vajankle, do you? Uh, vajankle? No, I don't. <laughs> you said I it. Mean, yeah, I, obviously. Yeah. I don't know. Unless that he put those together. I'm no, not no, sure. no. It was a thing. I actually was a. It was a show that I watched, and I forget that it was. Uh, Mister In Between was the name of the show. And in the show was a comedy show, and the guy had a... A vajankle, that's right. No, he had a foot fetish. Oh, wow. And he went out to one of the sex stores and bought this... Oh, yes. I vajankle. Yes, yeah, vajankle, yeah. So he could, you know... Sharks, you've heard of foot fetishes. <laughs> and you've heard of vaginas. What if I combine the two? Sharks. Vajankle. <laughs> So anyway, All right. uh, he might have had a plate uh, in his vajankle, and that's why Steve Cohen ended up passing you know, it's kind of on wonderful. Carlos Correa. Look, it's, it's, it's a deal that, you know, and I'm sure that, I mean, listen, Correa had a good year, a decent year in Minnesota, got off to a really slow start there, and I'm sure he liked it there, and I'm sure he liked the group of guys that were there, um, and I'm sure that that team was really disappointed that he was initially going to go to the Giants, and then the Giants passed, and then he comes to the Mets. And then the thought that he was never even going to go back to Minnesota. And, of course, all of the reports out there that uh, Boris put out there that he had another team that was a legitimate suitor obviously turned out to be correct. And the player has to do what's in the best interest of himself and his family. And I think that's really what this comes down to. Yeah, and I saw a lot of Yankee fans that were celebrating this yesterday going, Oh, is Steve Cohen still the king? Are the Mets still the team in New York? And all these things because we were so excited about Carlos Correa being signed. So I think... I think that where you can criticize the Mets is Steve Cohen probably jumped the gun a little bit on that trip in Hawaii, assuming that the San Francisco Giants were probably backing out for illegitimate reasons and said, I'm going to go and scoop him up because he's the missing piece. And it seemed to be a little bit, I don't know, ahead of where he probably should have been mentally with Carlos Correa physically. No, he'll learn. Yeah. And, and then also, I think maybe you can criticize a Met fan or someone like me that was screaming about it being so happy not waiting to see how the, the physical played out because of what happened in San Francisco. But to sit here and think that Steve Cohen now is going to be frugal or backed out of this deal because of the luxury tax or didn't want to pay the money or now all of a sudden Steve Cohen is scared to spend that much. That is nonsense. You know, I think this, nonsense. Just, I just think this just opens the door for Shohei Otani. If, in fact, they want to go down that road and try to make a trade, I really do believe that that's, you know, what the next 
target will be. I don't think that would have been the case uh, had they uh, signed Correa to this enormous deal and be up around $390 million in salary. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's where Shohei Otani comes in in this whole picture. I think you might have gotten both of them at some point. I think that just because he got Correa didn't mean that he was out on Otani, but I think it's more likely now that he figures out a way to get Otani. And quite frankly, I think he's pissed about this whole thing. Well, the other thing, too, is you have to remember, you got Pete Alonso sitting there and you got Jeff McNeil sitting there. And they're eventually going to need new contracts. Yeah. And if Pico's off like he did last year, mm-hmm. uh, and again this year, and they're not, you know, think about the, the amount of money he's going to get. And just think, too, like, this is clearly a legitimate issue because the San Francisco Giants' initial offer that they agreed to terms with Carlos Correa was over $350 million, wasn't it? It's right around there. He that's three hundred and fifty million guaranteed. Yes. He just took a hundred and fifty million dollars less guaranteed to go back to Minnesota. Now now I will tell you, there's a seventy million dollar uh vesting kicker in there that would add to the two hundred million that he has. Right, but if he So it'll be two seventy if he gets all of it. If he if he so gets it's all 80, of it. it's eighty million Essentially less than what the Giants initially offered, assuming that he would pass the physical. Right. So that's a big deal. We're it talking is a about deal. a third team, and at least, it could be more depending on what ends up happening well, with him and his injury, at least $80 million difference. So if you take a look at it, so you got 13 years, 350 from the Giants, and you have six years, $200 million from the Twins. In the first six years of this contract, He'll have made more with the Twins than he would have made with the Mets or the Giants. That's sure. the way you got to look at it. It's the AAV. That's the number that is the key number for the player right now. And those <sighs> six years basically tell me that most doctors and I'm sure all the experts and the different different insurance companies out there are saying, you know, this is all we are willing to guarantee because of that that ankle injury and and. The other injury that he had when he slid in the second base after that um, surgery had been done and the reaction uh, when he slid in the second base where that injury was. So I I look, I just think that uh, he got his money for the first six years without question. Yeah, and I, I would have been okay with it if, if Steve Cohen had gone up to that $200 million deal and had matched what the Twins were doing. And Carlos Correa was a Met this morning. I, I would have been fine with it. I would have been excited about it. Would have been a little bit nervous because of the whole the way everything went. But I would have been excited that it got done. So I don't want to sit here like a hypocrite and all of a sudden be like, ah, screw Carlos Correa. The Mets will be fine without him. And and screw Scott Boris. I wanted Carlos Correa to be a Met. I wanted him to be a Met prior to him agreeing to terms, and I wanted him to be a Met this morning. But I just. There's sometimes you got to make the right call, and I have to. I just have to trust with the way that this thing went. Two separate teams, then the Minnesota Twins swooping in and then giving him this six-year contract. It has to be a real legitimate issue. This can't be two teams and now three teams that are scared of something that really they shouldn't be scared of. Uh, Clearly, there's a problem here. Yeah, well, that's the point. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think they offered an extremely fair contract and they wanted the player to you know bet on himself long term. And uh, I think he did that with the Twins. But he did so by getting more money in the first six years with the Twins as opposed to with the Giants and, and the Mets. That's that's the big discrepancy here. Because even he, by accepting that $70 million kicker for those next six years, it's, it feels like even he re- recognizes that there's an issue or a potential issue that could happen to him. 
Yeah. No, well, of course. Or he may have to have. See, this is the other thing. In six years, they may say to him, look, we got to go back in there and fix that. Well, that's what I that's what I was thinking throughout this whole process was he's probably going to have to have another surgery at some point that knocks him out for close to an entire season. Like, that's the only thing I could think of that would make all these teams so scared of what was going on. Like, he might miss an entire season, and then maybe he's going to come back and not be the same. You know, what he might also find, which is going to be really interesting, for the Twins, he'll play shortstop. And shortstop, it's the movement. You know, he's got to be able to, you know, the range thing. And you never know how that part of it is going to affect him. Here, he would have been third base, would have been a little bit more protected playing third base. Uh, and may have been able to get an extra year or two out of uh, that contract because he wouldn't be playing shortstop. Yeah, I still think, you know, remember what Steve Cohen said when he thought that Carlos Correa was going to be a Met after he agreed to terms. He said that this was the missing piece. We needed more offense. This was the missing piece. So uh, now, you know, you got to be careful what you say. Right. <laughs> it's pivot time. No, it is, yeah, it is pivot it time. It is pivot time. So I, I, I would ask Steve Cohen, all right, you still have a missing piece then. So now how are you going to fill you know, that this late in the offseason? I, I don't know. That's what that's what scares me about the offense. I, I kind of feel like they they have the same team coming back, you know, with the exception of Verlander and, and a couple pieces they had in the bullpen. But I would well, Kodai say, Seng is another big right, thing. Right. I mean, that's the point. So I, I it's not that you have to go out there and there's not like third baseman all over the place. Well, not at this point. There I are. mean, he's got guys, you know, he's got Escobar and guys like that. And uh they have, they do have a couple guys in the minors. You don't know what's going to happen with them, whether or not Beatty and uh, Alvarez are going to be significant offensive contributors. We don't know that yet. So it's not like they, they're bare, like they have nothing. But you know, there's also trades to be had. There's probably going to be a player or two that could be cut. Maybe they take a flyer on it, like the the, the Yankees took on Carpenter. You never know. So it's, it's like I was disappointed that he's not here for sure. But I totally understand why he's not here. You know, the people that are really disappointed is everybody, and we talked about it that morning, that ran to Mets.com to buy season ticket packages, whether a 20-game plan or whatever, half a season plan. And then apparently they sold, like, millions of dollars of season ticket plans that morning. You know what? They still have, they're still going to really have a good team. And but, but but wait a second. The reason why people did I know that, that morning is they thought them. Carlos Correa was going to be on the team, and now he's not. I'm not saying they have a bad team, but clearly that was that over-the-top move that got people really, really excited. Yeah. It got me really, really excited. It got all of us excited. And now I, I'm like, ah, all right, good off-season. Not great off season. Oh, well, you know, good. I, I say good great. I, I say great off season. I, I, if they would, ah. if they would have added Correa, it would have been an A plus off season. That's this, a good one. This is an A off it's season. A B plus. Nah, this is an A. Yeah, it's Not, a B plus. A plus would have been uh, Correa added to this lineup and yeah. an, an ungodly almost four hundred million dollar, uh, you know, salary structure, which would have been ridiculous, but. Hey, we're at 355 right now, and I'm sure he'll spend some more money. And remember, like I said, he still has some of his own players that he's going to have to resign, especially if those players come back and, and duplicate what they did last year. Right, but there's a lot of that that they looked in the future. Obviously, they're thinking the same way we're thinking, and there's guys like Verlander going to come off. There's guys like Scherzer that are going to come off in a couple of years. The, the Robinson Cano deal is going to be gone eventually. There's going to be a lot of money that is freed up in the future right. to be able to take care of those other guys. Well, that, the other guys, I know, Tani, don't forget him. And Yes, yeah, right. Right. So don't forget him. Yes. So that, would that make you happy if they make the trade for Otani during the trade? Uh, I don't want I would I rather not you. trade him. 
him. I would rather get him. He's going to be a free agent. I'd rather sign him in free agency as, as opposed to giving up the entire farm system. Yeah, you know, I remember I, I uh, well, and if you did trade for him, you'd have to sign him. You couldn't let him get of free course. agency, which, which, which would be kind of crazy, which is why you wouldn't be giving up the farm to get him unless he was going to, you know, agree to a contract. But here's the thing, you know, um, when I, I have a, a friend, believe it or not, who's an angel season ticket holder. And he told me that, you know, most of the Otani special days that they have, you know, the bobbleheads and all that yeah. stuff for the Angels are in the first half of the season. Interesting. So maybe they're getting ready to trade him. Billy Epler probably knows something. And, and I'm sure Billy Epler, you know, attracted him to the Angels. He wanted to stay on the West Coast. So let's see what Billy Epler can do here. See what Steve Cohen can do. Because that's what's going to come down to. He's already done a lot. Right. Let's see what he can do and and make sure that he writes that check and gives him the biggest deal because there's only so much Billy Epler, I think, can contribute at this point. I mean, think about this. uh, He's got half the amount of players that the two football teams in town have, and he spent about $70 more than each of those teams on those players. Yeah, and I still don't love the lineup. That's the problem. You're unbelievable. I don't love it. I loved it with Correa in there. I didn't love it with this. I like it. I think they're good. But the stuff that we were saying before Correa was that the Phillies and the Braves might have a better roster than the Mets with all this money spent. Then they got Correa, and we said, ah, not so much. Now we are the Kings going into the season. Now they don't have Correa. So we have to be fair and go back to saying that they might be, even with this offseason, the third most talented team in the division. Might be. Well, that's why they play the games, Jim. All right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Boomer and Geo, and everybody's got a family. (laughs) All right, Boomer and Geo on the fan and CBS Sports Network. Jerry Recco's got Rutgers and Northwestern tonight out in Chicago. So he is there right now. He's at our sister station, The Score, in Chicago, doing his updates from there and the warm-up show from there. Jerry, good morning. Is everything sorted? I heard a lot of panic early on with you and Al about how this whole technical side of things was going to work out. I can see you now. You look well, I wouldn't great. say pa- No, I wouldn't say panic. I would say it was more difficult than it needed to be because they're over-helpful. Over-helpful? Yes. Like, they are... So last year when I did this, I brought the Comrex, couple of Ethernet ports, good to go. This time they said, we're going to give you a beautiful brand, and literally a brand new studio that you can have for five hours, which is so nice. The problem is no one gave Eddie the IP address to find out how to get up on the board. So we couldn't connect, and then I couldn't find Ethernet cords, and so that's where the, um, the confusion lay. Yeah, let me ask you, I don't know if you guys touch on this in the warm show or not. Are those CDs next to you, Jerry? Yes, CDs and a cart machine. <laughs> this Look is at a this. brand new studio? There's a well, cart machine and CDs in there? I know, it's, but it's not, it's not connected. Oh, it's just Look at like, this. It's like a museum? So it's a storage closet with a board. <laughs> no, except all the, but all the equipment is brand new in here, other than the cart machine, which is disconnected, and there's a DAT machine. And the wow. abacus. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. That, that, what, I mean, they don't want to get rid of that, I guess. I don't know. I think what, it's kind of cool, though. And what are the CDs from shows? Or are yeah, they just actual- grab, grab one of the CDs. It looks like those are actually like labeled CDs, music CDs. Classic rock. Okay. All right. right. Classic uh, rock. Arena rock. ACDC, Aerosmith. Yeah. yeah. By the this way, what was the good. last time anybody played a CD? 
I have no idea. I couldn't tell you the last time I played one. Long I mean, time. I mean, I, you know, at home it's just Sonos, right? Yep. Right off my cell phone, right right off Spotify, the Spotify, Apple Music, all Pandora, that stuff. Odyssey, yeah. Odyssey, yeah. Odyssey, free, free Odyssey. Odyssey app. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So, all right, Jerry, I'm glad everything is looking good and sounding good, and I'm excited to uh, hear the uh, sports update. We are good. I will tell you this, though. the what, the what Here's the issue I'm having, and this is where your guy Billy G, Billy Jockalone, is helping me. Yeah. I can't get into Burley, which is weird. Oh, okay, which is at Burley so, for the listeners is the system that Jerry plays yeah. all the clips from, and it's really easy for him to play them from remote normally because he can log in. Now well, he can't log in. Not exactly. No, I no, play no, no. Eddie, Eddie well, does that. Well, Eddie but I can pick them and listen to them and send them to him. Right? Why can't you get in? I don't know. It's You know what I can get into, which is actually kind of fun? I can get into the um, the software where you pot phone calls up and down. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So I could sabotage any call Good. from here. Uh, you can get into that software, but you can't get into Burley. I don't understand that. Oh, very sure. strange. Very strange. I mean, By the way, how about your guy with Ohio? Oh, unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's going to call again today at some point. We will talk to him. That was amazing. I, I'm trying to explain to Gina what was going on last night. She's like, why are you laughing, staring at your phone? I'm like, all right. You ready for this? There was a guy 40 years ago, so Boomer ride a jockey, I mean, ride a donkey, as he was a jockey, and this guy's now a jockey, and then he called up, and he's now a professional sports gambler, and he's got a, a wife who's four foot 11, and he liked Ohio University, where you went to school, by the way. It's just the most convoluted, confusing thing in the world. But we had so many listeners on that game last night. I was getting texts, I was getting tweets. I mean, Eddie Brown, the jockey, I mean, and here's some highlights from CBS Sports Network. He nailed it. Ohio ended up winning by five, I believe, or six. And he nailed it, and his pick was right, and he made a ton of people money. Uh, yeah. And by the way, he's got over like 3,400 Twitter followers. I'm sitting there watching the New York Rangers and uh, Wild last night, Minnesota Wild. And on my phone, I got this damn thing going, this game going on. And when I got to it... <laughs> The Bobcats were behind. Yes. Ball State was leading. Yep. And then all of a sudden, I put the phone down. I got into the Ranger game. It was like in between periods. I got into the, the, the second period, I think it was. And then all of a sudden, the Bobcats went on a run. Yeah. And then they were up like 48. And then Ball State caught up to them. Yeah, it was a three-point game there with right. 10 seconds to go. Exactly. And I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't watching. I was just looking at the score on CBSSports.com. But I guess this is the last possession here. And you're telling me state. you're and you're telling me Gina went to Ohio as well. She did. Yeah, she went to oh, Ohio. Yeah, she was a that is bizarre. Yeah, I know. It's just absolutely nuts. But you yeah. know what it is? Sports gods. Sports gods. Right, exactly. Downtown. <laughs> downtown. Eddie Brown basically came through right. and made some people some coin last night. Is Eddie, what happened? Eddie Money, the sports betting jockey. He is. He, I mean, and people are all over him, congratulating him, and now he's won his first one, so that's 11 in a row for him. That's some heater he's on. Right, it is <laughs> some heater that he is on, so you can never leave the heater, so now you got to go with whatever his, his next play is. We'll see if he ends up uh, calling us today. So How about he's also breaking down the officiating in last night's oh, game? Oh, yeah, no, of course, yeah, he's breaking down everything. When this guy's going to go to the bench, how they're going to make their run, everything else, first half was okay. I mean, he was amazing. Just, just, I mean, it really is amazing. The, the the power of the radio station and radio in general and sports was all in that bubble yesterday with this guy. We had no idea existed. And then here he is, now a huge part of our lives, and we're all sitting there staring at Ball State.
Dayton, Ohio last night because of this guy who saw Boomer ride a donkey 40 years ago. And that's how we got to know him. Imagine you see him on CBS Sports Network sitting next to John Rothstein on Super Saturday. Exactly. Seth Davis out, Eddie the sports jockey in. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we're brought to you by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com and by Jack Pocket. Play official state lottery games. On your phone with Jack Pocket. You guys obviously just discussed the Carlos Correa situation. We know the deal there. Six years, Minnesota. See ya. He's gone. Um, Football-wise, Super Wild Card Weekend kicks off with Seattle-San Francisco Saturday. You got the Chargers and Jaguars Saturday night. And then, of course, on Sunday, part of the triple header will be the Giants and the Vikings, the middle part of that day at 440. Julian Love, a guest with Tiki and Tierney on the fan yesterday, says, bring it on. Guys are fired off. You know, playoff time is an exciting time. A lot of us haven't been in this position. I haven't been in this position. And so that juice that you have early in the season, maybe you're running to every ball, you're going all out, like that is back. And so we're, we're really excited for this opportunity. And, hope, and it was him, too, that whiffed on that interception, right? A few that weeks is, ago? Right. That, that is correct. Yeah, absolutely. Not do that again. Right. Well, uh, was, who were they playing that week? That was they? at home. That was the Eagles. That was the Eagles, Eagles game at home. Right. Yeah, Eagles at home. Yep. Right, right, where they blown out. Mm-hmm. Here was one more from Love, just talking about having seen this team before. At least there's some familiarity with them. There's a familiarity now, especially oh. that we didn't play them that long ago. Yeah, uh, and you know, <laughs> we did a lot of things right in that game, but we did some key things wrong. Uh, and then they still took a 61 yard field goal to win. You know, there's a confidence right now going into this in this, this playoffs that we can make a run, uh, starting with Minnesota, of course. That's what, how about this, Boomer? How about how about one series? One quarter, yep. One half, one yeah. game at a time before we worry about a run. Sage advice, Jerry. Sage advice. Take it easy. That sounded like a man who was already thinking ahead to Philadelphia, and I think he's he's on to something. Clearly, if he's been listening to this show and he's a part of WFAN going on weekly with Tiki and Tierney, so he's probably listening to me, and he knows he's like, hey, I think we can go on a run. I, obviously, after we get past Minnesota, I mean, once we do that, which we all know is just sort of like basically a layup, and then we'll get uh, you know probably go to Philly, a layup. That's what it sounded like he was saying. Minnesota favored by three? Uh, still, I believe, yes. I yes. thought that number would come down as the week has gone on. But yeah, I, I thought a lot of, you know, I feel like there is a momentum out there for the Giants right now. Everyone's on them. Feel, it feels that way. It well, does. And yeah, I like the I, Bobcats last night. Everybody was on Ohio Bobcats right. last night. I mean, why they wouldn't were. you? And I know, the, I know the plus minus G. I get it. I know it's terrible. They did win what thirteen games this year. Yep, and they're so. 11, they're eleven and zero in one score games. And you would assume that this game would be close if you're trying to build a case for the Vikings. You would use that, but but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everybody's on the Giants for a uh, for a reason. A lot of these lines have not moved all that much. The the Bills Dolphins line came down a half a point to Bills minus nine and a half. Sort of Niners Seahawks nine and a half, and I guess the Cowboys line has gone up a little bit. No, actually down. I'm sorry. They were favored by three, and now it's two and a half. So there's only been minor movement so far uh, with these lines, which means that they were pretty spot on when they came out. What would you call the biggest upset this week if it happened? Miami winning in Buffalo, yeah, Miami and Buffalo or Seattle yeah. and San Francisco? Nah, would Miami be, and Buffalo. Well, especially if Skylar Thompson is playing. I mean, that, that would be a big one. I mean, I definitely Seattle would be, that'd be a big upset, but... Miami going up there with that team that we saw just play the Jets. Right, I was just saying, if, you know, if you had uh, Tua and they were and they were rolling, I would say it was a pick 'em because yeah. you know Miami, you know, you play each other three times in a year. That's that's tough. And now I will say that uh, Seattle has played San Francisco tough twice. It, had, you know, it hasn't been like blowouts. Yeah. 
going to be a tough mm. one for them. Of course, Monday night. Be a tough one. That's why they're on the road. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I just think that could get out of hand. Really? I do. I think. I think it could. We'll see. I hope it doesn't because that'd be fun. But it feels like it's going to get out of hand. All right, Cowboys Buccaneers Monday night. So the Cowboys won 12 games, but there is a lot of conversation in Dallas about Mike McCarthy's future, especially if they lose yet again to Tom Brady. So Jerry Jones was on the fan in Dallas yesterday addressing McCarthy's status going forward. No, just uh, I don't even want to. Uh, no, uh, that's it. I don't need to go into all the pluses or minuses, but uh, uh, we're not seeing any. We're not uh, basing. I've got uh, a lot more to evaluate Mike McCarthy on than this playoff game. And a lot of people think if they lose that he'll be out. And Jones is telling you, no, I don't believe him. I do. Unless they get, unless they get totally blown out and they look Boomer, like they did they, last week. If they play the way they just played in Washington. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they, I mean, they look like they did last week, then it's, you know, any, anything could happen with a an impatient owner. No question about that. By the way, uh, looking at the Ram stuff, what's happening out there. You know, Sean McVay has basically told the ownership he, he wants to take a week or so or a few days. So what, however long. Just to kind of decompress and figure out what's going on. Now, he lost his grandfather. His his wife is Ukrainian. So who knows what's going on, you know, behind the scenes in his personal life. You know, with what his wife is probably dealing with, friends and family and everything back in Ukraine. I don't. I have no idea. But he's told his assistant coaches that they are allowed to go for other jobs if they want. So that tells me he's that allowed he's like, to do that. I thought that was like more of like an organizational. Well, thing. he said, no, I think it's he said, look, if you want to go look for other jobs, you guys can. Now, I, I've i never heard of that before. Um, I asked Coach Cower about that. I said, I've never heard a coach actually say that openly who was coming back to coach the team. And uh, we kind of think he's out of there, but he's going to wow. basically step away. Well, that would be yeah. a big one for sure. And that's there you go. There's one of your big surprises. Yeah, right. Right. Would he go to the broadcast booth? Again, I, I'm assuming that he'll have an opportunity to do that and make money if he wants to. But I, you know, I don't, again, like, I, I didn't realize that his wife was Ukrainian. You know, and everything that's probably going on in their lives behind the scenes that we don't that we don't know about. Sure. All right, a couple of other things. Eddie, scrap the dick, um, Dak cut. <laughs> the Dak cut. Oh, scratch the what? what? Scrap the Dak cut. <laughs> scratch the what? <laughs> scrap. The Scrap. Dak cut. <laughs> <laughs> you got that, Eddie? I will. Okay. <laughs> Come on, man. Make it sure. Can we be adults? <laughs> hey, I'm not well, the one who said scrap the dick. <laughs> <laughs> Dak. Oh, Dak. Dak. Okay. Oh, man. Scrap that. Uh, the Ravens, uh, Roquan Smith gets five years, $100 million. A um, lot of conversation here in Chicago about the Bears and the number one pick. Ryan Pulse says they would have to be blown away yeah. if they were going to take a quarterback. What an of course, idiot. they've got. Why would you what? say that? Why would you say that? We'd have. Well, to be he blown? was asked about. They, I think that was part of the conversation yesterday. Yeah. Okay. So you say we have to be blown away to uh, take a quarterback number one. I mean, there's going to be a team that wants to trade up to get Bryce Young, that and then true. everybody's going to be like, "Well, if you're not going to take Bryce Young number one, like, is there anybody else you're going to take number one? Like, <laughs> then, that, that all of a sudden, like, knocks the down the compensation package. Like, the, you, what you need to do as a general manager is be as completely vague as possible. I don't know what we're going to take. I have no idea. You what, know? what happens if he is blown away by Bryce Young? Well, then they're going to take him, and they're going to trade Justin Fields somewhere. Right. I just don't understand, like, why. I don't know. It just seemed now, like they also way. said that Justin Fields is their quarterback. Now, he did say that. And yes. 
And that and that's why he said he would have to be blown away to take one of these other kids. Now, if this were next year, oh, Caleb Williams would be their quarterback. No, no doubt. Even if, if Caleb Williams is coming out this year, they're taking him. Yeah, I can tell you that right now. That this is the next generational can't miss quarterback coming out of college, and everybody's going to be racing for that first pick next year. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not the NFL puts in a lottery starting and with next year's draft. All right, a couple of other things. Knicks Pacers tonight. You got Tyrese Halliburton playing the Knicks. He was the guy that Wally Zerbiak had his comments about. If you remember, he apologized. So there's that little storyline. You had the Sixers beat up the I mean, Pistons. Was Wally, Wally and Tyrese Halliburton going to get into it before the game? That'd be great. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Who what's, knows? What's Wally, what would you say to Tyrese Halliburton if you were Wally, Al? My bad. Well, what did he say? He basically got all over him. He called him a wannabe. Yeah, wannabe all-star. A wannabe all-star. Yeah. yeah. Like, just a fraud, basically. Yes. And then Halliburton went on that podcast. Like, I don't even know who Wally Zerbiak is. <laughs> Boring. So, oh. A little back and forth there. The Heat beat the Thunder last night. How about this number? Miami went 40 of 40 from the free throw line. Never been done before. St. John beat Butler. Seton Hall over Georgetown. Boy, Georgetown loses again. And your Rangers last night, Boomer. Resilient, as they say, as they come all the way back and win. Freddie Gaudreau will try to tie it for Minnesota. If Shesterkin stops him, it's over. The drum moves in. And it's over. <laughs> Rangers win. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they trailed 2-0 and 3-2 in this game. They get the game-tying goal in the third from Philip Heedle. Shootout goals from Capo Caco and Artemi Panarin. And a 4-3 shootout win for your blue shirts. The Devils beat the Hurricanes 5-3. And the Islanders lost a shootout to the Stars. Daddy, oh. scrap the dick. Um, okay. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Scrap the DAC clip. There you go. You got it this time. Connecticut Put Sun. that with the Connecticut Sun. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is Boomer and Gio on CBS Sports Network. Boomer brought something up yesterday. I actually think he brought it up Monday as well when we are talking about the... Bears and the Houston Texans and the fight for the number one pick and how the Texans went out of their way to win a football game that basically knocked them out. It did not basically. It did knock them out of having the number one overall pick. And you said, yeah, that is significant this year. But it's going to be more significant next year. The fight for the number one pick because of Caleb Williams, as you said, he is the next in your eyes and many other people believe the next general general. Generational. What? Generational. There we go. Generational. Yeah. Carpentalized is another word I can't say. Car. How do you say that? Car. Compartmentalized. Yeah. Those, yeah. Generational. Compartmentalized. Yeah. I'm. I'm getting there. So okay. anyway, he's the next generational talent at quarterback, and you think that he can do everything Patrick Mahomes can do, and so that the NFL, because of that, for the first time, might consider a draft lottery like we see. In the NBA and like we see in the NHL because they are afraid that too many teams will tank to get that next great quarterback. Now, how would that work, though? I don't know. I don't, I'm just saying these are discussions I'm sure that are being had. You know what I mean? I don't know how it would work. I don't know if it would be uh, the top five teams that would have, you know, the weighted lottery system or whatever. I, You know, something along those lines. Well, my question more from the how would it work thing is not exactly the... 
the mechanical part of how you're going to to do the lottery. But how can you all of a sudden change the way you do things for one off season? Are you, is that going to have to go through the same process that we saw when they were talking about changing games and neutral sites with the playoffs? Like, is well, that going to be a, let me ask you a question. all owners have to be on board for this? Yeah, I think they would the have commissioner to, just no, do no, it. no, no. They would have to vote for it. They okay. would have to vote for it. So, um, you know, I I don't know if teams would go for it or not. So it's um, that that's another interesting thing. But you know, imagine if you're the Carolina Panthers, you know, and you're going to get a new coach. You know, you're probably going to have an opportunity to draft one of these young quarterbacks this year. So maybe you draft one of these young quarterbacks this year, and you see whether or not that kid can turn out to be your guy. But if he's not your guy, you still throw him out there and play him like Zach Wilson. Yeah. And if he doesn't really show any sort of growth or anything halfway through the season, you know, you're one in seven or something. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they still want to play. The players still want to win. The coaches still want to win, all that other stuff. But, you know, he's, that Caleb Williams is staring you right in the face. Because you have the number one pick overall going into, say, like week eight, nine, or ten next year. That would be a time where you'd probably see a team start making some decisions. Now, don't you think, though, that guys have come along in the past where you felt like that person was 100% undisputed? The number one pick. Joe Burrow. Okay. Trevor Carson Lawrence. Palmer, Trevor Lawrence. Peyton Manning. Troy, Peyton Manning, Troy Aikman. So, like, why yeah. all of a sudden now would the NFL consider this? Andrew Luck. Yeah, but why? I mean, I, you know, it's a different time. It's a, you know, it's, you know, the object of the draft, by the way, which is not really for the Bears it's happening this year and for the Texans because they're at the top of the draft. But there are other teams within the top, you know, 10 that have traded picks that are in the top 10 because of the teams that they traded with and where those teams ended up, like Seattle. Sure. Now, the other question I would have, and I know that we're just sort of, you know, um, spitballing. If we were just sitting here spitballing. That's what, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're spitballing. Um, is, would this continue for the rest of time? Yeah, I think it would. This... I think it would be a new way of doing things. And okay. I think it's something that's it's it's going to be considered. I, I'm not saying it's going to be passed. I'm just saying it's going to be considered, I believe. Now, who would bring it up? Like, the commissioner would bring it up, or would it be one of the owners in the competition committee that would bring this up? Uh, that's a good question. I would think that the commissioner's office would bring it up, I would think. I don't think the competition committee would bring this this thing up. Yeah. I mean, and you know what this would provide, too? Yep. Another huge night for the NFL. Yes, it would. To capture all of our attention on television. And that's really the bottom line here. How, yeah. how, do, how do we make it even more interesting? So, oh. you know, and, and like this whole thing, the whole draft order is done by win percentage. That's yeah. how it's done. Right. That And that's the way it should have been done going into the final week of the season if two teams didn't play because they had those rules. And nothing would have changed because the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs all won. And the, the, the Chiefs still had the best winning percentage. And quite frankly, under the rules prior to what the commissioner put into place and was asked to vote on last Friday, you know, in my eyes, the Kansas City Chiefs should be hosting the AFC Championship game because they have the best win percentage. Yeah. And quite frankly, that a 14-3 and three year is amazing. Now, two of those losses hurt to the Bengals and the Bills, but 14-3 and three in a 17-game season... You know, if I, which is right, of course, is, is, is crazy. But if I were the NFL or I were an owner that had a chance to vote on a potential draft lottery, what I would say was just look at this example here that we just had this year. We just had a team that could have tanked and did not and went and won a game. 
I could give you an example a couple years ago with the Jets. The Jets did the same thing. Second to last game of the year. Trevor Lawrence was in their lap. They ended up going out to L.A. and beating the Rams. So there really isn't a lot of examples of teams. Now, you could say that the Bears tried to tank against the Vikings. Oh, I, think, I, think, well, I think the one that re- reality hit, and the Bears knew what they were, you know, and who they were, I think reality hit. And, you, know, plus they, you know, they didn't play Justin Fields in the last game. He probably right. could have played, mm-hmm. but they didn't play him. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. And by the way, remember Indianapolis had the whole suck for luck thing. Amazing. You know, it's the amazing thing for that is that Frank Reich was on that staff. So Frank Reich was there with Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. lasted through you know, Tony Dungy and was it Jim Caldwell? Yeah. Jim Caldwell, uh, good buddies. Him and Frank are really good buddies. And Frank was actually coaching wide receivers at that time. So he went from like a, a quarterback coach to a wide receiver coach and because Peyton had gotten hurt and was no longer there. like He was injured and away from the team. And uh, he coached Reggie Wayne. I'll never forget this. And I remember calling him at, was it Chase Daniel was the quarterback, maybe? Chase Daniel. Was it Chase Daniel? Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to double check. And it just got worse. I think it just got tougher and tougher. And I remember asking Frank, you guys suck it for Andrew Luck? And he goes, Boomer, nobody's even, the only people that are talking about that are the media and maybe the fan base. You know, we in this building are trying to win football games. Yeah, and that's what every coach believes. Like I remember that that Jets game was like Adam Gase and Frank Gore were like so happy that they won that game out in L.A. and it ended up screwing the franchise and maybe setting it and back neither, a decade. And, and neither one of them are here, right? Well, that's they the don't point, care. right? And Lovey Smith, same thing. He doesn't He's gone care too. He got fired, so he wants to go out there and win as many games as possible. Yeah, how do you think he feels when they walked into his office and said, "Because you know, they, everybody was asking him," and of course, no coach ever feels like they're going to get fired, no matter how bad it is. Yeah, you know, and then when they fired him right after the game, or essentially when they got back to Houston, I guess um, it's like really. Screw you. I'm glad we won. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? Ha- if they go to a draft lottery this year, yes. for the first time ever, that means to me it guarantees that the Jets will have the worst record in the league and not get the number one pick. Somehow the Jets will get screwed out of this thing. <laughs> yes, you're probably right. <laughs> there will be a team that's like, I can't believe the first year that we go to a lottery, we have the worst record and we didn't get the number one pick and Caleb Williams is the guy. Somebody's going to get screwed big time. That you know, when I, when I look at the way that the draft board is set up right now, I mean, the, the Houston Texans are set up right now. They got seven picks. This is seven, six picks in the top 104 players. Yeah. I mean, you know, they got to have a draft like Joe Douglas just had a draft. And by the way, just because you do a lottery doesn't mean that teams don't still try to tank. We still see it in the NBA. Like, hey, I want to get in that top three to give myself the best percentage. The same thing would happen in the NFL. Like, I know there's no guarantee, but I want to give myself the best percentage to be able to get that number one pick. How about about the fact that, you know, you have two teams. One made it to the playoffs, the Seahawks. They have the second most valuable draft board in terms of their picks. They have... Five in the top 85. That's how you rebuild a team. You know, and then you have the Detroit Lions who are on the cusp of the playoffs and had a nine and eight season, and they have five in the top 82. Yeah. Got to hit on those guys, but having them is a big deal. They, the Lions have hit on sure, guys. Certainly. That, yep. That's the thing. And they came out yesterday. Their GM came out yesterday and said that Jared Goff's our quarterback. He's proven. He's proven. We have a top three offense. Right. And he's been a top 10 quarterback all year long. 
He's our quarterback moving forward. I mean, right. and good for Jared Goff, by the way. They just want to keep his fiance in town. I think that's really the only reason. But, but good for him. And, yeah. and all, when he got traded away from Sean McVay and the Rams, and now you look where he is and, and how that franchise views him and how the franchise, you know, that they won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford, but there's no telling the long-term of, you know, future of Matthew Stafford or the short-term for that matter.